And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Now, today's guest is none other than Tetris champion Jonas Neubauer. Now, when I say Tetris champion, I don't mean he has a championship. I mean, out of the six years that they've been doing this, he's won it five times. Five times! This man is the undisputed, world-class champion of Tetris, um, and I just cannot wait to get into this. Uh, I will give you a quick spoiler alert on this, obviously. I've challenged Jonas to a game of Tetris, and so I will have the YouTube video up at the time of airing. So if you're listening to my voice right now, you can go to my YouTube channel, fascinatingnouns.com, click at the bottom, and you can check out. I have a feeling that I'm going to do pretty well. So Tetris, what is Tetris? How did I get into it? Tetris was one of the first games that I played as a Ute when I first got my Game Boy. Nintendo Game Boy came with a Tetris cartridge, and that was really the only game you could play for a long time. It was definitely the only game you could play with someone else. Not that I ever did that, but I played it there. Nintendo was really big. They had a Tetris game, and I got to tell you, in my neighborhood growing up, I was one of the top three people at Tetris, and I'm not even joking around about that. I'm serious. Top three people out of a pool of possibly ten, maybe nine. And of those three, top three people I'm talking about here, out of those three, I think two of them were above the age of eight. Uh, I was one of them. So that just tells you the stiff competition, the kind of uh, what my upbringing was like, the kind of street credibility that I'm going to bring to this interview. Now, even with that kind of stiff competition in my upbringing, I I don't even come close to the kind of things that Jonas can do. I haven't seen the types of things that he's seen. I don't look at the world the way he does. He sees this game differently. We're going to get into that. He's going to explain it to you, and you're going to look into the eyes of a master and understand a game like you've never understood it before. Uh, So let's get right into this thing with Jonas. Jonas, thanks for being on the program today. Hey, my pleasure. So let's let's just introduce the audience to you. Um, how would you describe yourself? And then I'm going to take a crack at describing you. Uh, I would I would describe myself as uh, both a gamer and a non-gamer. So man of the world. Uh, man of the world. A lot of competitive gamers are kind of shoehorned into a personality type, and I would like to think of myself as somebody who can kind of. Uh, a digital renaissance man of sorts. So lots of interests, lots of curiosities, and uh, video games happen to be one of them. Well, I'm going to pigeonhole you as much as possible. I'm going to call you sure. uh, the greatest living tournament Tetris player of all time. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is, okay. that, is that niche enough for, <laughs> for you in the Among office? other things, sure. Among other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got a lot of other stuff going on. You're quite an incredible guy. Um, but we're, we're, I want to talk about Tetris for a little bit, if that's okay. Okay. I know it's... Absolutely, or a lot of it. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so now you are, by my last count, you're a five-time champion, right? 
Yes. Uh, you've only lost one time in the finals, and that was to a man named yeah, Harry they, Hong, right? They've, they've only been doing them for six years. Uh, 2010 was the first year that they kind of officially, they being the, the Tetris licensing company, um, putting on a like an officially recognized world championship. Yeah. So when is the next, when's the next tournament coming up? I believe it's in October at the Portland Convention Center. So you you are about to make additional history. You're going to win it for a sixth time, I'm predicting. To kind of help you along, have, has it ever crossed your mind? And, and feel free, look, Jonas, I want you to be completely honest with me, okay? That's, that's the okay. caveat here. Have you ever... Right, let's start right now. Let's, <laughs> from this point, right? <laughs> so have you ever considered um, taking out one or all of, of your opponents? Uh, physically, I mean, by disabling them physically. They all live in L.A. Um, you live in L.A., not to, you know, spoiler alert. Um, have you ever thought about this? Has this ever crossed your mind? Or are you just so good that you don't even need that? Uh, I, I'm not good at physical violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and also be very summer oriented, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't really take out a, like a Tanya Harding knee. It's gotta be a focused attack. Right. And I just don't feel, feel like I have the strike accuracy of a thumb attack. Well, that's good. I mean, it is, it is, I'm glad to hear you say that. That was a trick question, Jonas. I wanted to make sure you were on the up and up, man. I would never encourage physical violence. Sure. And you got the goods, man. You don't need to do any of that stuff. You got what it takes. I don't. Although they did play a pickup basketball game before the last tournament, which (laughs) I think is just ridiculous. How'd that go? A lot of jam thing. <laughs> uh, I, I think somebody jammed a, a thumb or a finger or something. Really? Whatever. Oh my god! Really? You know? Why? Why would you do that? Yeah. Now, now I assume. Just, uh, now I assume you have your. Are your thumbs uh, insured with Lloyd's of London? There's no insurance policy. I uh, I self-insure, much like rental cars and Tetris tournament thumbs. Uh-huh. It's all self-insured. Holy I just. God. I like to live dangerously. Uh, that's pretty incredible. So do you think it would be uh, a million... What would you... Let's just say you wanted to insure your thumbs. What would you insure them for? Okay. Like, you know, um, I assume... Cash value? Yeah, cash value. Uh, probably $6,500. That's it? Yeah, which would actually turn out to be a really nice premium. <laughs> you know, like a monthly, maybe like 40 cent policy. So why did you do it? It only makes so, financial sense. Yeah, I... I I don't know. I'd have to find a uh, a nice underwriter. Yeah, you know, it's pretty niche. Yeah, spe- speaking of niche, yeah, yeah, for sure, that would be that'd be one Put of them. out there. I'm sure if you're if they're give give me a call, I'll put you in touch with Jonas. Uh, so, so this distinction of champion, man, this this thing that you've earned, um, how was this thing decided? So it is. Um, they've chosen the original Nintendo Tetris cartridge. Okay. Um, it, it lends itself well to tournament play. Uh, the games usually don't last more than 11 or 12 minutes. There's kind of a kill speed that ends matches no matter what. And so within that kind of framework, you can really make a nice tournament out of that. You know, but a lot of the versions plateau on speed. And so it becomes an endurance type of thing where one game could last eight hours. And so Tetris was that nice little, the, the NES one, at least, was that nice little Goldilocks zone of uh, scoring in time. You know, I don't think I realized that. So so an individual game can only last 11 to 12 minutes, typically. Right. 
Yeah, because level 29, I mean, there's people that have gotten to level 30. Uh, I actually haven't been one of them, um, but there's people that got to level 30. But it's by such a survival type of scoring that it becomes almost insignificant to uh, the final tournament scoring process. Got it. Okay. Um, now, when you say you haven't reached level 30, uh, and you said people have, who are those people? And how do you feel about that? Uh, there's actually there's two people. So I believe the two official ones are Thor, uh, who participated in the first ever uh, 2010 World Championship. Now, not the, and, not the uh, Thor. You mean a Thor. Uh, not, not the mighty God Thor right. with the hammer. Mm -hmm. Um, there's arguably a Tetris God Thor who is very good <laughs> and got to 30. Yeah. Um, as well as I believe a Frenchman named Lewis who may or may not have been to one of the tournaments. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he went to one. I think he went to one. Uh, so now, 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 when I say you're the greatest tournament player of all time, now this is kind of oh. So let, let, let's continue with the tournament really quickly. But I want to make a very astute sure. point. That's a teaser for an astute point coming up. Uh, so now, how does how is the tournament set up? I mean, are there like qualifying rounds? Like what what goes on with that? So the, the tournament is open to everybody. Um, it's a two day event. The first day being an open qualifier that lasts around eight hours, where you can step up pay, I believe, $5, get in line, and um, put up a score. And then based on that score, we're ranked on a bracket of the top 32, and uh, that is day two. You're pitted against each other in kind of a March Madness-style bracketing system, and uh, it's best two out of three until you get to the finals, and then it's best three out of four, or uh, three out of five, all based on points and it's, yeah, winner-take-all single elimination. It's very brutal. Now, in the movie, there's a great documentary called The Ecstasy of Order uh, that you're featured prominently in. Um, in that movie, they go out and they make a very big point of buying a bunch of tube TVs and, and almost to like it, like preserve the experience of being a kid. Is any of that necessary, or can you play this on a widescreen, 16 by 9? You, It's so funny because you actually have to play on those the their CRT. Don't ask me to explain the acronym. It's the big, heavy, you know, 200 pound TVs. There's something about when you convert it to flat screen. There's a small delay that actually, you know, it wreaks havoc on the timing of uh, piece placements and all that stuff. I've tried to play it, and it is the most debilitating um, handicap that you could put on a player. <laughs> and so you actually need these, like, you know, mom's basement. $150 TVs, Mag Magnavoxes, you know, brands you haven't heard of in 20 years are featured prominently in these, in these tournaments. That's amazing. Now, do you have one of these in storage? Like, do you have one in your house that you kind of like keep, you know, for, for the training days? I do. I have a hire, uh, which is not spelled the way you think. And it's amazing. It's a 19 inch. I got it on Craigslist. It was a very back alley shady deal, all cash involved. And yeah, I'm the proud owner of it, and it works. Wonders. Well, I think Hayer is spelled H-A-I-E-R. Am I correct? So you it got is. It. So it's exactly yes, as you. as I thought. So I have I have underestimated. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> thank well you. Now, Appreciate not to get into too much of the financial details here, Jonas, but in that shady back alley deal, how much cash was transferred? 
probably 25 American. <laughs> really? USD, huh? Probably 25 American, which is enough time for both of us to like lose two hours of our day to go do. Oh, so okay. there, there you yeah, go. Including hours lost. That just shows you the dedication. Sure. And that's probably, you had I mean, to win two or three tournaments to put that cash together, didn't you? Exactly. <laughs> at least. Um, or I, I do it by the hour. I make like 50 cents an hour yeah. playing. So if you want to do that, man. That's insane. <laughs> um, so now let's, now I'm going to make my astute point here. Now, as I said before, man, I've got the utmost respect for both you and your accomplishments, right? Um, but when it comes to, sure. so you are a world champion, uh, you know, we're going to post pictures of your incredible trophies, uh, you next to them for verification purposes. Uh, when it comes to that undisputed champion, Jonas Neubauer, when it comes to individual scores, the individual watershed marks, um, you're not on those lists, um, there is one the the the, um, the max out. So let's let's actually explain what a max out is. That's when um, okay. you you explain it, man. What am I doing here? You explain what a max out is. You're the expert. Tell me what it is. So, um, in just this again, kind of weird Goldilocks zone where the programmers for the original Nintendo um, they put six digits in the uh, max scoring. Uh, of the video game. So the highest score you could actually get is all nines. And then people are speculating, does that score flip over and start from one again? Or like if you achieve it, uh, and in actuality, it just stops at all nines and it just stops counting. And then you can actually bust out the calculator and kind of try to, you know, follow the action after that. But for the most part, if you pin it on all nines, it's pretty much just a done deal. So that's a max out on the Nintendo in, you know, type A play. If you can achieve that, like I said, within that kind of kill screen timing in that window, then you've achieved a max out. And I believe there's about 11 or 12 players that have done that now. And we're going to get on to, we're going to talk a little bit more because there's, there's some nuanced detail in there that I think are, is very impressive. We're going to get back to that. But as far as it, as far as it relates okay. to your individual accomplishments, as far as world records go, you don't have a lot of those. You haven't reached level 30. Um, you weren't the first to get a max no. out, although um, that is actually disputed, though, isn't it? Your, who actually got the max out first? There, there's a little controversy. Um, so my first max out uh, officially on the Twin Galaxies website, I believe, is 2009. Um, but, I mean, if you followed... Uh, my life, like a Truman Show type of situation, you would have realized that I maxed it out, I believe, in 2001 or maybe 2000. But then even before that, there's speculation on max outs. And so, and that's a time, you know, where there's not a lot of Facebook, not a lot of social media. So we're talking Polaroids and scans, which is, you know, you can't really trust those type of things. So who knows? But yeah. I can I can say for sure that mine happened in about 2001, and that was a level 18 max out. A level 18 max out. That's impressive, right? I mean, that's yeah. early in 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 the land of Tetris, right? Well, that was starting on level 18. Oh, Unless, I see. What you uh, mean. I, I probably maxed it out on level 28, but um, the distinction I was making for level 18. So you can actually start on level 19, which is a brutal level. You're talking speed-wise. Just uh, to be clear, the speed of level 19 is what you start at, which is the maximum speed um, of of this piece. Right, and there's it's significantly higher than 18, and your most players are 
on pure survival mode basis when they start on 19. And so I want to say maybe four or five players have maxed it out on level 19, starting on level 19. Right. Um, and that's and and I believe the equivalent is as if you were holding the down button, which you know f- makes the piece fly to the bottom. That's the speed you're starting at, right? Right, and it's a lot of the big wake up call at the tournaments are the people that play Tetris, where if, when it hits the stack, you can still kind of manipulate it. In the tournament style we play, um, it's sticky. Mm. So as soon as it hits the stack, it is where it is, and that's just the final word on it. And so when people play it, they cannot believe how just one mistake can really just create this, this build that's impenetrable and just unsolvable. So it's, it's each move is so critical. Well, it, uh, it's tough. I get anxiety. No, I can, I can it, hear it in your voice. Honestly. You had a pause there and I was, <laughs> I was, I was worried. I just thought maybe you had blacked out for a minute. I get nasally, I get nasally and I get a little more high pitched <laughs> when I, uh, yeah. When I get anxiety, and that's that, that's gonna come through on the tape. I'm gonna I'll throw a couple filters on here. No one's gonna even even yeah. Thank you. I'm here to oh protect. I'm here to protect you and your brand. You're uh, so the um so now back to my point. So as far as the watershed individual like goals, you have some of them, but not all of them. But yet you're the champion, hands down. Everyone would think of you as the tournament guy. Now. Uh, I want to compare this to Peyton versus Tom Brady, right? It, these are two guys in their prime. I'm talking football here for people. Um, so if you don't like football, just, just bear with me for a second. Tom Brady has way more Super Bowls, has been there all the time. He's a winner, but he doesn't have all the metrics that a guy like, that a guy like Peyton Manning has, where he's got the most touchdowns, the most yardage. You know, of all the metrics of a great player, he has them. But he does, he's only won the big one once or twice, and he wasn't necessarily the reason for that. Whereas Tom Brady's the guy who wins, he's clutch. I would call you a Tom Brady guy. Uh, how do you feel about that comparison? Uh, I would be honored. I mean, first of all, if people have to bear with you for the football thing, they should bear with themselves because football That's is great. amazing. So let me make that point. <laughs> Second of all, yes, I, I agree. Um, I it's It's the task put in front of me. So... You know, if if someone was like, "Hey, you know, get to level thirty, and it'll there'll be a tournament based on it," I will try my hardest to get to level thirty. But you know, it's I, there's something very individual about Tetris where I've just made it my goal to play um, the most consistent and the most aggressive and balanced with survivability Tetris that I can play. So. It's it's just kind of it like I said it comes down to the individual and on an individual basis, just I want to play tournaments. I want to you know do well in them. I want to base my uh, my strategy on them. And yeah, that's that the, that that's the new puzzle for me because once you max out the game, you just kind of want to put the tr- the controller down and just be like, I'm never going to play it again. Uh, the new puzzle for me was when these tournaments came out. I had to alter my gameplay and kind of create. Um, and hopefully, you know, establish the framework for what Tetris or uh, for what tournament Tetris Wait. should be, and that's kind of what I've been. And it's a winning formula do. for you. I mean, that's that goes without saying. I mean, you've you've really mastered that truthfully, and you have kind of like a slow and steady kind of tortoise in the hair kind of thing. Like if you go online, you can see I'll post one or two of these videos of you kind of 
you know, someone's kind of, it looks like they've got you dead to rights. You look at your screen, it looks like there's a bunch of holes everywhere. You, you, people are, you know, 10,000 points ahead of you coming up towards level 29. And then, um, you know, they, they top out, which means all the pieces go to the top, their game ends. And it looks like you're going to, you know, be last place. And then you just find a way to slow and steady build that up. I mean, it, it's kind of amazing. It's as exciting as watching other people play video games can be. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I do find it very intriguing. Um, but now, now this level 30 thing, man, I, I don't know why this bothers me more than it bothers you. Don't you want to do that? Like, that's really the last big goal. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't, don't you at least want to do it one time, like touch that golden ring? Cause you're so close. You're there. You're an elite player. If you can do this, you have it inside of you. Um, don't you want to pull it out? Uh, I've, I've gotten close kind of incidentally, uh, based on another game. Like if I'm not doing anything, I'm like, all right, well let's let's go for this because you have to kind of uh, build your stack in such a way you have to kind of pre-plan it. At least for the kind of play that I do, I got to really kind of set it up uh, around level 28. Um, so every now and then I'll try to do that, and I've gotten close, you know, a couple lines away. Maybe I think the closest I've gotten to was one line away, and I wasn't heartbroken when I didn't get it, and it just goes to that thing where it wasn't really a big thing on my list to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a frontier that's already been established by other players and which I respect a lot. Um, so, yeah, it, it just it's kind of like worn territory. Well, well is, where... is it though? Is it though? Because I think the official top score is still 296, right? I think there were problems with some of the other... Um, submissions as far as like the twin galaxies the official that is the you know the the score of record you know what i mean um i think it's still 296 right right? you could still do that if you just said you got one away from level 30 correct my math sir but that's 299 right you're that's the record it is (laughs) it is but i've always been a points guy over a lines guy you know i i I think there's like a social class system there with people you know yeah, it's. Don't you want both, man? Don't you want both? I, I, I'm I'm on like Maslow's like seventh step, <laughs> and lines are on like right. step one, right? Like I gotta I, I gotta keep going. I gotta self actualize no, here. That's fair. Now, what is it about what is it about this <laughs> game that you like so much? Why Tetris? Um, it's just I, I think I've like hypnotized myself because it's very hypnotic to watch. And when you're playing it really well, it just calms and soothes. I don't know. I don't know a better way to kind of explain it. I, I don't play it year round for sure now because it's kind of a chore to really get back into game shape. But I just I, I keep getting drawn back to it because there's always room to improve. Um, and every time I think I've gotten to the pinnacle, there's just this huge echelon that I still have to reach. Um, that I can still kind of alter my game to get to. And just solving that puzzle of getting to that next tier is strong enough and compelling enough for me to kind of pick it up and keep playing so it. So what, um, what does your re- regime look like? You know, like you, 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 you've been off it for a while, right? Like you haven't p- played Tetris competitively for, for a little bit, right? Since October. Is that true? Since so October, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, if, to me, yeah. it's six months. That's around the corner. There's no, there's no NFL athlete. There's no NBA star who's going to take six months off, you know. But you do. But you can. How do you get back into that game shape? What do you do? What does that look like? How intense is it? So 
when I got second place How, two years yeah. ago, I practiced for a single month. And then last year, I practiced for three months, and I feel like I dominated pretty well. So I think two months is the magical number here where I'm going to see if I can squeak by with minimal effort, you know, kind of get the A minus. Squeak so by. you'll probably start seeing me practice around around August. Jonas, why do you yeah. want to squeak by, man? Don't We're you like, want to be dominant? You lost. <laughs> Look, man, you got a blemish on your record. If I if, if it was me, if I was, I, 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 I suck I, at just about everything. But if I was as good as you at Tetris, there's if 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 I got beat, I don't care how great the player is. Harry Hong's a great player. There's no shame in losing to him. But if I lost, if, right. and someone said in three months you can do that. I would be doing three and a half months every every uh, July. I would be in the gym <laughs> playing Tetris. Not that being in the gym would help you out at all, but I just think setting's important. You know what I mean? I it's it's strange because I am competitive, but not to the point where it's important to me to really be prepared that much for something. I want to kind of, it's, it's almost my next challenge, right? It's almost my next challenge to try to do it on less practice time and still mm-hmm. be the best. It's, it, there's got to be a way to really challenge yourself with this game once you've gotten the big score or, um, you know, four championships in a row or five total. Like, what's, what, what's going to do it for me next time? Like, what's going to motivate me to even go to the next one? I think the two months. So this, so, so I just wanna, I, I, I'm, I'm a slacker at heart. What, what you really have to understand from this entire hmm. phone interview is that I'm a, I'm a fun loving, lovable slacker at yeah, heart. I was going to say like and, your, your goal is to, to be the best with the least amount of effort possible, which is yes. awesome. I yes. mean, that's such a great thing to hear <laughs> and you can do it. Like how, how amazing is that? Like there are people, you know, there are people who work, their ass off for years and year and they they play year round to get to that tournament to make it into the finals and you're like dude, two months like that's what 60 days i could probably shave that to 55 you know minus weekends eight right. hours a day used to do 12 now i do eight like yeah it's fine and you do it like we're talking like we're talking like one hour a day maybe maybe two hours every now and then but it's just picking it up and making progress and getting back into the swing of things, um, I developed kind of a new tier to the strategy last year that I'm going to try to rehash this year, um, maybe add on to it, but hopefully it won't have to. That'd be really nice if I could just practice whatever yeah. you know and not try to like be creative. Yeah, that'll tickle that slacker at so, thing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so what is this? Now you can't just you can't just tease a new strategy and then like not explain it in excruciating detail. What does this strategy look like? What what are you doing? Well, you know, like, so the the original strategy that you identified was playing slow, and that is a very visible, very easily to replicate strategy, but it was very effective. Um, And so, uh, you know, just kind of moving along, the the one that I've recently developed is, um, without giving too much away, just doing these kind of subtle little last second movements to... Uh, accommodate more pieces per drop. So if if you build a board that can accommodate five pieces at any given time, you know, and maybe a square or one of the Z blocks won't fit, um, if you can accommodate six pieces, your life is going to be a lot easier 
because you're talking about a game that drops, you know, maybe 400 to 500 pieces, right? So that small little increment of difficulty that makes it easier on yourself and gives you more flexibility will make you that much harder to beat because it'll always look like you're getting the right piece. And so my new strategy is based on making these little tiny micro movements at the end to accommodate more pieces. And it works kind of on an exponential fractal tree basis where now it looks like my luck is just off the chart because it's like, Oh, we got a square. Well, of course he's got a perfect place for a square, but it's because I kind of manufactured it at the last second on my last piece. So it's just something like that where it's, you know, it's, it, this one's a lot more subtle and it'll take more time to kind of decode and really get right. Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Well, here, so, so we're going to unpack it for a second <laughs> because no BS. I understood exactly what you said. And I got to tell you, that's some next level stuff right there. I mean, what you're talking about, that's I mean, really like you understand the, if you can explain it the way that you did, you understand the game on a completely different level, which is exactly what sets you apart from from idiots like me. So I'm just going to break down what you said, and then you tell me if I got it right. So there are okay. seven, I believe, seven different pieces in the game of Tetris, all of which randomly yeah. appear, and you get to see one piece ahead of time. So much like a very, um, uh, you know, a, a chess player without a lot of vision, they can they chess people see all their moves in advance. You can really only see one move in advance for sure. Uh, and so the the given state right. of what you've built um, at the on the Tetris board can only accommodate successfully accommodate a certain number uh, certain different types of pieces. So the average person like me can maybe safely accommodate one or two of those pieces where it looks like oh that's perfect I needed that square or that long piece that's exactly what I wanted. Uh, with a guy like you, you're saying right. that you, throughout the course of a game, can actually put together this weird tapestry of pieces where, whether it, you, I think the, you used five or six, but where any five pieces, so there's, uh, out of the seven, five out of seven percent, whatever that is, mathematicians help me out, you have that type of percentage to be able to use that piece successfully in a place that only enhances the wall that you've built, the wall meaning the stack of pieces that you have. Uh, and at any one time, any of those five pieces will work, and only two of them will be crappy that you'll then manufacture another spot for the next piece. Uh, is, am I saying that correctly? Right. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that, that's a piece of it. There's also kind of some, some other subtleties to it, but that's... Uh, the basic okay. idea. I don't want to blow people's minds so, too much, but it, it, uh, but I think I think they kind of get a handle on the next level that you're working with. Uh, five different pieces could fit anywhere. You create that with micro moves at the end that only people with extreme manual dexterity are even physically capable of, much less mentally capable of. Well, let me let, let me supplement it with kind of the three levels of play that people experience at Tetris in general with one next piece window that you described. Um, the first level is dealing with the one coming at you, right? That's the primitive, like, like survival. I need to deal with this piece coming at me. Um, the, the next level that kind of sets you into the next tier is, uh, not only do I have a place for this one, but now I have a place for the one coming up. And then the third level that I'm kind of getting into and to do it on a consistent basis at a high speed is actually severely exhausting is, okay, I'm going to change where I'm putting this first one because of that second one. 
So it's that third kind of ping pong. I ping ponged it back to the original piece where now it's coming, you know, it's flying down at me, but now I see what's going on. So maybe if I do this last second little adjustment to this guy, it's going to create the perfect crevice for this next one that will open up the entire board for whatever could come. So you're not even like accommodating the next piece. You're accommodating for that third piece as well. And now you're just kind of opening up the game and making it much easier on yourself. So, you, so from if, if I can understand this correctly, you're actually, it sounds like you're incorporating quantum mechanics into that. The unknown, that third piece is essentially a quantum piece. And you found a way to artificially predict a third unknowable piece uh, of in the, te- in the Tetris world. Is that, is that right? It's, it's more of a preparation than a prediction. But prediction's but yeah. next. That's the quantum understanding of it that you're going for. But there you go. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what separates Tetris apart, and that's what you really have to accommodate for because, you know, Donkey Kong and Pac-Man and a lot of these games have been seen to, like, that you can manipulate the randomness of them through your movements, right? Like speed runs in Mario, you know, as long as you follow this correct path, the game will never change on you. But Tetris is just a slap in the face because they can't even program a computer to navigate it correctly because it's so chaotic and you just never know what's going to happen. You need to be able to kind of prepare on a quantum level. Man, that is that is really... that. Not only is that next level stuff for a Tetris player, that's like next level stuff for the t- world's top scientists to really <laughs> explain. <laughs> um, but it makes perfect sense and you're actually yeah. completely right and accurate. No BS here. Um, yeah. See, we're, this is this is some high level touch. This is high level philosophical here. discussion. This is we're explaining the fabric of the very universe we in which we live in. Life has no next piece window, so <laughs> right, like life is even tougher than Tetris. There you go. <laughs> that, that is amazing. Exactly. That's really yeah. good. Um, so now, now, how did you get into this? You know, it's clearly affected you on a philosophical level. Um, what, what was the genesis behind this? Why, why Tetris? Um, I, I think it was just kind of a time and place thing. Tetris emerged. Uh, it just celebrated its 30th anniversary, uh, I believe, in 2015 so, or 2014. So in the mid-'80s, you know, kind of burst onto the scene, and it was an instant success because of its simplicity. Um, the computers back then really couldn't run a lot of RAM, Right, so it needed something that was very simplistic, and I was an impressionable young man of maybe five or six years old, so it just hit me in the perfect development phase of my brain. It monopolized a large portion of it, and the rest is history. Now, you've been quoted as saying that you wanted to be a child prodigy. Is this kind of how you manifested that desire? I guess so, but I wasn't really great at it as a kid. It just, it was kind of a slow build, but I always wanted to, it, I, it's not even prodigy. I just was on the record as saying, I wish I was musically inclined, um, and forced into it at a young age, but I had very easygoing parents that loved me way too much to like allow that to happen. And so I guess it worked out in the end, but if I had a very strict upbringing, you know, with classic piano or violin, uh, probably could have done some good things because I have a weird obsessive personality and I probably could have done quite well in that rigid kind of structured framework. So, I mean, you ever thought about picking up an instrument now? 
yeah, I, I do. I'm just, I, it gets back to that whole slacker lazy thing. So <laughs> it's just, it's really tough because you pick up the guitar and I love music. One of the best things I love about Tetris is that it helps me consume music because you play and you're a captive audience and you're so tired of the original music on the video cartridge that you just listen to whatever. <laughs> right. And so I listen to all this music. It's amazing that I pick up a guitar and the strings are so just, they, they hurt my fingers. They're painful. They're nonsense. And it's just, it's very difficult. So hasn't happened for me yet. No, that, that makes sense. It takes a lot of work. I mean, um, I doubt Jimi yeah. Hendrix was able to, uh, take you know practice guitar two months a year and then be as good, be as, good as he was i don't know exactly we'll, we'll never oh, know that'd be, but that'd be the best yeah if we could get that to work <laughs> that'd be nice uh now, now do you know about the history of this game can can we can you tell me a little bit about uh where it came from and 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 if you feel like a, a traitor to the country because it's russian in origin yeah from what i believe the the young man who invented it was a programmer uh in russia and had the misfortune of being uh a person in the Cold War when he did it. So he really didn't see a lot of money from it. And then I believe Hank Rogers uh, was part of the mission to bring it to the States. And there was some controversy in that because there's a weird Tengen version for the Nintendo that was, in my opinion, inferior and illegal. Um, that's, that's one of those games I was talking about where it kind of peters out and then you can just play it for as long as you can kind of hold your bowel movement movements. Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it wasn't that carefully planned, well executed Nintendo version where they're like, if someone can match up the score, they've really played this efficiently. Um, yeah. So it has, it was shrouded in mystery and controversy and it's one of the most recognized games. It's not the most recognized video game there is. Yeah, it kind of sucks. I mean, it originally came out in 84 on a device called the Electronica 60, which most people will not know what that is. And it was very different. It was almost like single pixels of, you know, of color with the the four shape. It's right. very very different than the Nintendo version. Uh, but it does kind of suck because it was during the Cold War. Um Russia was a communist country, and this guy, uh I'm going to say his name wrong, Alexei Pajnatov. Did I nail it? Do you know? Um, Do you even know? Probably like at least 90%, which is an A-minus, which is what I'm all about. Hey, so you nailed boom. it. Boom. Uh, that, and that was two and a half seconds of training. But this guy, you know, a genius, uh, creates arguably the most popular video game of all time. Uh, probably one of the most profitable games of all time, if not solely due to its longevity. And has seen almost nothing from this thing. Like, that's, to me, that's a war crime. Wouldn't yeah. You, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's probably... I, the, the few times I've interacted with him, he was heavily inebriated, and I believe we know why. Because, you know, there's just there's a lot of uh, inequity there. That's, it, was, it was a stroke of brilliance. Um, it's exactly the kind of great idea that you would expect. It's simplistic and addicting, um, and yeah, and very Cold War era, so... 
Yeah, this is sorry. I mean, let's see. Yeah, and I, I aren't there. I think there's actually charities that like, get him extra money, isn't there? For doesn't some of this stuff go to him? I know he he shows up at these and sponsors them in a way. It's got to be something. There for should this be. Guy. Yeah, there should be a Kickstarter for this gentleman. Well, um, but yeah, <laughs> go uh, go fund me. There's no better person. I mean, you are essentially the face and voice of the Tetris community. Um, I think the, this falls on your shoulders, if if I may say so. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I, I mean, do. there's. There's a lot of, uh, we get back to the slacker things. Yeah. There's just, you know, I, maybe I, I can be the figurehead on it. I can definitely, like, be the voice upon it. But there's got to be some driving force. So. Yeah. Well, I'll find that for I you. I want to get I want to get an engine behind uh, behind your face and get this thing going. I'll slap tomorrow. a smile on it, and we'll get it going for uh, sure. I think we I think we got something that's yeah. winning, winning tactics. Um, yeah. Now, you have two very unfair advantages here that we're, we've kind of skirted around. The elephant in the room here, all right? So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say them, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. Now, I've got photo, photographic evidence of this. You have an ability to split your eyes in two different directions, which allows you to both focus on the next piece and maneuver the pieces that you're currently, to manipulate them properly uh, with, with, the, with the other eye. Um, how did this come? How did you realize you could do this, and were you freaked out the first time it happened? Um, so I used to uh, be sick a lot in elementary school because there's a lot of tests, uh, there's a lot of uh, homework <laughs> assignments, long-term projects. I thought this was um, taking a, a weird you know, turn, but no, it's actually hilarious. Where, where am I going with this? <laughs> yeah. where, let's ask ourselves where am I going with this. So I used to watch a lot of daytime television. We had kind of like a a couch that lied perpendicular to the TV. So I'd be on my back, but I'd try to watch it from my back. And just that whole looking down, you know, across my body at the TV created this weird thing where I could split the TV into two. I'm, this is the God's honest truth of what's going on here. So when I was nine, I could figure out that I could just do this at will and just split my eyes into two different directions and see two fully separate images. And it actually does not help that much in Tetris because it just compounds the problem of trying to focus on the screen. But I feel like I do it a little bit where I can kind of, you know, create a wider field of vision. Um, it's more, it's better at parties and it's better at freaking people out that I haven't seen since high school. You've had a head injury. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on, you develop. I want to understand this, and this is going to come full circle. Y- you developed this ability because you were lying perpendicular to the TV and didn't want to turn your body to face the actual television. You wanted to remain on your back, so you altered and adapted your physical body to be yeah. able to see the TV um, from or the prone position. Pop up my neck with a pillow, <laughs> or to anything a normal sane person would do. Yeah, myriad of things that you could do that very simple, very easy. I don't have time for that. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to do the cadaver-style TV viewing that I wanted in my life, and I figured it out. That's amazing. Uh, so the, the other unfair advantage that you have is that you can take these pieces, and no one else has really figured out how to do this as well as you have, but to take them and kind of like fit them into the right spot at the last minute. You can kind of like put pieces... I don't want to say where the sun don't shine, but you can kind of put pieces where they almost shouldn't go. How did you develop that? I can that? do unnatural things. I can do unnatural things with blocks. Yeah. That's a very good observation. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah. So, as long as the end result uh, 
works, you can flip. I mean, you've heard about T-flipping and stuff like this, and T-flipping looks very natural. It looks, you know, it's it's the most ubiquitous of the flips, but you can flip Z-blocks, L-blocks. I mean, you can flip the long piece. Um, its axis of rotation is very difficult, uh, but once you have it down, you can use it, and you can use it to your advantage. It's really nice. So I, I, I call them kick flips. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple... It was It was weird when we first... Uh, when they came in to film the documentary in 2010 before the first one, uh, I was doing all these moves and I had names for them and I didn't realize that they just weren't names that people knew in this world. Like right? what? So you just, like you na- like kickflip was one. I was like, oh, it's a kickflip. And they're like, well, that looks insane, but now it's a kickflip. So that's the word that we use for that now. And there was one um, called a pole vault. Well, I called it a pole vault. So if you're taking a line and uh, it starts out flat, and if you just move it to the left, because it's flat, it'll get hung up on a spire in the middle. If you flip it, you can flip it past that spire and then flip it back flat, and it'll actually get it over that little middle mountain, right? Because it's a sticky process. If if you stick it on there, it just stays there, which is the worst. So you want to flip it past. And I do this quick little flip and people were watching and they're like, what the hell was that? And I was like, well, obviously that's a pole vault. And so they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently now it is. So, you know, literally writing the book on some of these moves. So, and, and no one else can, no one else has really kind of used this techniques or, or uh, I guess have as many of these um, tricks as you do. Is that true or no? They're, they're starting to, they're starting to sprinkle them in, but, um, you know, there's there's a way to kind of incorporate them in your general play uh, that does that whole thing that we were talking about earlier that allows more pieces to fit where they need to, right? So that just that kind of feeds into that equation of being to accommodate for five or six pieces instead of three or four. So it just creates this probability fractal tree that makes you much more likely to get what you need. The PFT. Uh, yeah. So the... This training process that you do, uh, it sounds very specific. What, what does that look like? So in these two months or six weeks or whatever you're shooting for this year, what are you going to do? What is, that, what is that intense hour, 50 minutes to an hour look like? What are, you, what are you practicing? So much like golfers on the LPGA, I will manufacture pressure for myself, right? If a lady golfer needs to like hit five putts in a row before she can move on to the next thing, I'll create a score where I was like, okay, starting on level 18, I'll have to hit 800,000 six times in a row before I can put this flipping game down and like go and have a drink with my wife or do something normal. So I'll manufacture, like it, it seems trivial, but when you're on like the fourth or fifth game and you really want to stop playing, it creates pressure that you can leverage and use in actual tournament play to really kind of give you that edge. So, I guess that's a way to like get back on the saddle and get in game shape while also getting your nerves in check. So a lot of my games and my practice follow that kind of role where you just create these goals and you get insane about them and you have this weird pressure empathy where you can just like put yourself into the tournament situation and feel the loss. Like you've like just completely lost the tournament. It's very, it's very emotionally wrenching. 
I mean, it's funny you say you're a slacker at heart because that sounds super intense. I mean, that's what <laughs> I mean. That's what like professional athletes do to get better. You use those same techniques. I, I, it, it's hard for me to find you to be a slacker at heart. All joking aside, I mean, that's an intense, highly evolved, um, extremely next level approach to getting better at anything. Um, and you're doing this. That's not slacking off at all. That's a, I was more of a procrastinator. So it's like procrastinating and then cramming for the test. So maybe I've, in, I, I've yeah, okay, invented a cramming sense. technique. That makes sense. Okay. Like intense, yeah. small bursts of, of training instead of the long training of like, you know, like doing sprints instead of running a mile. It's the high interval training, which they've seen shows more results than just marathon running for general overall fitness. These like bursts of things. So there you go. My Tetris fitness is the H-I-I-T approach. The, Boom. It's like you like the CrossFit of, of video games. There we go. Without the shoulder strain. Right. Yes. Right. Um, now, now, when you if you can explain it, you know, in movies, when when you've got like someone like the Flash or these speedsters uh, who race through the world, um, the way the way they show how that works to the average viewer is everything around them is just really slow, and to them, they're moving at a normal speed. Um, what does a Tetris, when this thing's at level 19 and it's flying down, what does it look like to you? I mean, is it really like everything is slowed down or are, do you just, what goes on? What does that look like when you're playing? To me, it's more of kind of a familiar speed. So everything's moving at a familiar pace that I'm used to. So it doesn't seem slow. It just seems manageable because I've experienced it before. Um, I've, I've only had it one time where it got intense, where I got weird tunnel vision, where I got like super focused and I could visibly see the outside of my vision darkening. That only happened once, but it was very intense. Wow. But for the most part, for the most part, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And it's just this, like I said, it doesn't seem like it's slowing down. I, I don't feel like I'm in the zone. It's just this weird, familiar, um, constantly calculating the odds of where I should put pieces. So it's just kind of talking to myself in a way that, you know, I'm kind of self-instructing. It's, it's like a being, it's being in rally cross and also being the guy in the passenger seat telling me when the turns are. That's kind of wow. what my plane is. Well, there's a lot of studies of people who under extreme circumstances, extreme physical um, or mental achievement or stress like people who climb tall mountains or, or go to you know four miles below the below sea level they experience these kind of like what they consider to be like almost spiritual experiences it sounds like this tunnel vision thing like you were on the cusp of having like a real um genuine spiritual experience around tetris that's intense i it was it was dude it was the most intense because the heart was racing um you know probably Panic attack, panic attack tier heart rate and just darkening of the edges. It was very tunnely. So when people say tunnel vision, I'm like, yes, I know what you're talking about because of that one game. Wow. It's actually, it's very exciting for me because it's nice to know and be able to connect with people on something like that. Well, so l- let me just break this down. So we've been talking about this game, and I think people are going to go and they're going to think, "Oh, this game's super easy," but it it's not easy. So I'm going to I'm going to break down some numbers here. 
At level yeah. 19, which is the level that you train at, which is the level that these tournaments are at, level 19, speed level 19, not level 19 from the game, you still start at zero lines. Right. That speed, to, from top to bottom, it takes two-thirds of a second. Now, that's only in the beginning because that's really the only time in the game when there's no pieces in, on, the, on, on the screen. Normally, there's other right. pieces. So let's say you're halfway filled. Well, that cuts in half. So that's, that's what, two-sixths to one-third? Like, that's, you know, that's, that's incredible. That's an incredible speed. One-sixth th- one, one of a second is nothing. Just to put this into perspective, profession- hitting a professionally thrown um, baseball is considered one of the hardest physical things to do. One of the hardest. Very difficult. At 95 miles an hour, even if this thing has no movement on it, it's just going straight down the middle. It gets from the pitcher's hand to the to the to the basement to, to the to home plate in four tenths of a second. That's all the reaction time. You're running on something that's a little bit just a, a hair faster than that at the beginning, which only gets slower as you're playing the game. I mean, you're really playing on professional baseball-level reaction time, and you're doing how many of these things a second? It's not just one pitch, done, rest. It's pitch, 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 boom, 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 boom for 10 to 11 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's 500, 500 pitches in 10 minutes. That's insane. That's really crazy. When you, when you really break that down, all joking aside, that's an incredible feat of, of, of hand-eye coordination. Well, there's, there's little tactical pauses you can do because you get a reprieve when you take a line. But at the same time, when you take a line, you're working against yourself because you want to take four lines in a row. So every now and then, if, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not seeing that like third-tier level play, I'll take a line to reset and kind of regroup. Um, so you just have to be smart with it. I, I'm I'm very much not a big reactionary person. Like I don't have lightning flat fast reflexes. I'm more of like the wily veteran who's throwing like the snot balls here and there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get that knuckleball like, in there. Longevity. I just, yeah, I don't have, I don't have the big, uh, you know, the big 102 mile an hour dot good and fastball just to date myself right there. Yeah, no, that's, that's um, it. <laughs> that, that'll do it. That'll do it. That'll get some Google play. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, no, you're, you're exactly right. And to, to prove your point further with those kickflips, to do those on level 19, you're literally looking at like two frames of a of a window. Jeez. Uh, like like two digital frames to get that right, and it's tough. But if you really want to do it well, you got to hit those things pretty consistently. And I'm not 100 percent on them, but to do them under pressure correctly is one of it's a very satisfying thing. It's fun. Well, let's continue this on the extreme level of skill that this requires. So we're, I'm going to go back to the max out. So this is this is six digits, all nines. Now, the thing that I didn't even uh, – this didn't even hit me till today on how difficult this actually is because you, there's a finite number of lines that you get before you reach level 29, the, 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 the kill level, which is you have 290 lines to reach this max out score. Now, that seems like – that seems like an eternity to the average player. But in reality, someone broke down the numbers. You need to get a Tetris, which is four lines in a row, at least 60% of the time. You know, that, that's, yeah. you only have 40, that's 40% of junk time. And you have to consistently do that over 290, uh, 290 lines, which is, that's incredible. How many lines are actually on the screen from bottom to top? Do you know that number? 
Uh, you know, it's sad, but I do not. But I know that it's got to be around 18 to 20 just because stacking up and getting three Tetrises in a row is insane. So that's 12 right there. And then you just add a little extra to the top to, you know, give it some a good measure, give it some gusto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, we're coming to the end of this incredible conversation. I, I want to hit a couple of the points here. Um, that that kind of sure. make this that just to kind of tie up a couple of loose ends before we finish up here. Uh, now, once this once this thing was beat, um, this was kind of like the four minute mile. Everyone started getting the max out score. Um, is that that's true, right. right? Like this this it's one of the things that no one thought was possible, and then everyone started doing it, which isn't like level thirty because people they've shown it can be done, but it's there aren't a million people doing that anymore. Right. Why do you think that is? Um, it's. Level 19, I mean, level 30 is just, it's frustrating because there's a luck component if you don't have the kind of hyper-tapping that Thor uses. Oh, yeah, let's talk um, about this. Talk about, oh, great segue. I almost forgot about that. Talk about hyper-tapping. So hyper-tapping, uh, I use it kind of in a very uh, conservative sense, and Thor uses it in a very aggressive sense where... So normally I'm just pressing down as hard as I can to get the piece to the left and right because that's the fastest way to do it. Um, if you had a thumb that can tap it faster than you can hold it down, it's called hyper-tapping. And so Thor at times can do it faster than the left and right um, holding down. So he has a video or a couple videos online that show him doing that and it's out of control. You can really open up the entire board by doing it. Um, but it's very difficult and it's very difficult to kind of replicate. So it's tough to do in tournament play, but if you get good at it and you get into a groove, you can get to level 30 because level 29 speed, you can actually get the pieces over to the left and right. And it makes 30 pretty accessible. And that's that's an important um, that's I, an important thing right there to mention that twenty twenty nine speeds are so fast that even without this special technique that one guy can do well that you can't even get the pieces to the sides of the screen it just stacks up in the middle like a like a right. dog pile of poop and that's it, nothing you can do and you just go right to the top and that's it game over and and even with this insane like thumbbuster technique you can get to thirty but. You really can't do anything with it. You can't do significant st- scoring or mm. survive beyond 30. Um, but just, it, and even then, you need kind of the, like, it, the perfect scenario would be to create a center well and just get three lines in a row down the middle. Boom. I'm just in level 30. Right. Um, it's just, the, the, for me, it has to kind of line up uh, quite well to do it. But I, I, like I said, I use a little variant of the hyper tap. Um, so I can press it down, and then when it gets to the very end, I can, a well timed little tap at the end, can get it another square over. So I can achieve kind of the same uh, type of movement with just a little quick tap. It, it's not quite as effective, but it really, if you use it well, it can save a game. Right. So there's, I, I, I do use kind of like a little variant of it. Do you have a and name for your variant? It's been a little hypertap. I call it a little hypertap. A little hypertap. A little hypertap. Where, it, 
I think it's called the Thor tap if you just get insane and really just mash your controller. The Thor tap is Thor's. You're the Lil Hyper tap. Just want to make sure I get this. Correct. Yeah, okay. a little, a little hyper tap. Sometimes I call it a double tap. Depends on how much I've been drinking. <laughs> um, yeah. Honestly, I could be having it wrong right now. I'm like two or three deep right now. So. <laughs> Just, no, that's this whole, full disclosure. This whole uh, podcast needs an asterisk, honestly. No, that's no that that makes perfect sense. Um, oh, so this is the last thing I wanted to tie up here. So this when okay. so you claim to have gotten the ninety the, the max out score a while ago. Now you found out that you, that Harry Hong had beaten your score and gotten the max out on a very significant point in your life. Do you remember what that was? Uh, it was my birthday. It was your birthday. Jeez, how, how did that feel? Birthday. That's your birthday present is the guy who's going to in the future beat you, the only man who's capable of beating you, then beat you for your high score. What was it? How did that feel? If I was a true competitor, it would have wounded my soul and left a scar, you know, in the center of my heart. But being the slacker procrastinator competitor that I was, it just mildly irritated me. So you almost felt nothing, and not in like a numb, I don't know what to do way, but in an absolutely healthy, uh, that's like a paper cut. Yeah, and then they were like, okay, well, we're going to have the tournament, so now we can just play the tournament. And so that's going to be the new kind of barometer for everything. So there you go. Easy. I was was offered a rare second chance at love. (laughs) So... There you go. That is beautiful. Well, we've come to the end, <laughs> sir. Um, I'm sure you, there's millions of people fawning over you, learning your techniques, following you. Do you are, are you online? Are you on social media? Or do you just not have the time or want to put in the effort to do that? Uh, I have a YouTube channel with like two videos on it. Um, and <laughs> well, please give me the, please give me that that YouTube channel. Both both videos. Yeah. You want to see both of them? No, no, no. Um, like, what's the channel so people can subscribe? Man, I don't even know. Okay. I'll find <laughs> I don't even know my login. I'll find um, <laughs> if, if if you just look up Jonas Niebauer Tetris, you'll you'll see some videos. Um, a mutual friend of ours, Trey, uh, actually put the first max out video of mine on. Um, so okay. that's nice. So that's also there. Um, a mutual friend of but ours. For the most part. Uh, a mutual friend of ours is in all the Tetris people. Oh, like, got it. Trey is like known within the the Tetris circles as a uh, he's he programmed the new uh, graphic user user interface that was used last year in the tournament and made following the whole thing much easier. Um, he's creating like a custom cartridge for the new thing. He's he's our uh, you know if, if this was Ocean's Eleven, he's the guy behind the computer opening up the elevators for us. He's so if you guys were a rock he's band, he's, guy. he's the groupie. Um, when you said uh, no, he's no, he's the guy with the lighting. He's got the cool lighting. Oh, like a roadie. Okay, sorry, I, I do yeah. apologize to trade. No disrespect. You are a roadie, not a groupie. Yeah, There's yeah, a very distinct difference there. Trey. Yeah, <laughs> I got to be careful with my terminology there. Sorry, Trey. Um, sure. Now, do you have any other social media that that's going on here? Or is that you've heard of Twitter, Facebook? Pinterest, Twitter. <laughs> uh, I'm on Facebook uh, as just Jonas Neubauer uh, with two U's. Um, you're more than welcome to friend me, but it doesn't get a lot of action either. I'm old school. I like to show up. This, this, this one. So where do you live then? The, What's your uh, address? So fun. <laughs> <laughs> I live on a very scary street in Los Angeles. So if you do come stalk me, bring a gun because okay. you might get stalked as well. Um, 
No, it's it's that's what makes this whole thing fun. I'm very kind of I'm not a luddite, but I like to just kind of show up and play some Tetris once a year. Everybody gets to see it, and then we go back and do it again later. Well, that makes this easy fun. enough. Well, so I'll put all the, the very limited information that you gave me. I will put online. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of plugging going on. There's not yeah. a lot of plugs. Watch watch the the DVDs. Fun, like you said. Yeah, it's good. That's that that's that's the coolest thing. Well, so, Jonas, that's a great place to end it. Um, this is wonderful. You've kind of taken me into this world of Tetris, which I thought would be dark and seedy, but is actually um, hyper-competitive and extremely interesting, and I would argue should be allowed into the Olympics, uh, given the amount of physical feet, uh, f- uh, physical uh, proficiency required to do this at the level that you do it. So thank you for bringing me into that. Oh, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's always fun. To, I mean, this was some next level stuff we were talking about. So that was that was great to kind of hash it out into words. So I don't get to, uh, I, I don't get to describe it like that a lot. So that's fun. Yeah, and I think you're going to inspire a whole new generation. Is what what the what my hope is. Um, and speaking of that gen, next generation, thank you guys for listening. Um, and everyone, I want you to have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. If you like what you heard here, you want to learn more, a whole website dedicated to this show, fascinatingnouns.com. At the bottom, you're going to find links to all the social media. Break them down for you right now. Twitter, at Fascinating Noun. we got Facebook, facebook.com backslash Fascinating Nouns. Pinterest, i got all the, the pictures housed there pinterest.com backslash fascinating now and you can find that and links to other shows and if you like videos click at the bottom youtube.com you can check out all the fun videos i have associated with the show and if you like this you may like other things that i do so you can follow me at daniel j glenn on twitter at the daniel j glenn on on instagram Check there. You can find all kinds of fun little videos, things coming up. And, of course, you can join the newsletter at fascinatingnouns.com. I encourage it. All kinds of fun little tidbits behind-the-scenes stuff. So thank you again for listening. End of transmission.